morning. Thank you so much, worship team. Amen. Put me in that key of F if you don't mind. There's a there's a little song, little little kid song that we used to sing that I want to start my message off with. You're going to know it, so I want you to sing it with me. It's a little song that says this. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Anybody know that little song? Come on. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. <laughs> I mean, he believes that today. He's still working on us. He's still working on us. Amen. He's still working on us. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Esther chapter 6. Esther chapter 6. We're going to look at our text. It's a very familiar scripture to you. But we're going to look at that in just a few seconds. We're going to read that entire chapter to sort of lay a groundwork of where we want to deal with and what we want to talk about today. Amen. This past week, on Tuesday, I told the church this Wednesday night, some of you wasn't able to be here Wednesday night, so I'll share with you. On Tuesday of this week, we had a doctor's appointment. We had a meet with the surgeon. And so I went in, and Karen and I went in, and, and we met with him, and he told us all the things that was going to be taking place. And uh, he said, you know, we're going to have to open you up. We're going to do a triple bypass on you and all of those things. And, you know, I was just listening and we was talking. Great guy. And I enjoyed talking with him. And Karen told him, said, uh, is there any restrictions that, that we need to put on him until December the 11th? And he says, no, not really. He said, just use wisdom. And he looked at me and he said, from here up, he said, you're 18 years old and you can do anything in the world. From here down, you're a 57-year-old man with severe heart disease. And I didn't like that word severe that he said. I didn't like that at all. And I just tuned that out. And I said, okay. She also said, she said, now he's a preacher. And she could have stopped right there. But she said, he's a Pentecostal preacher. So is there any restrictions that you need to place? He looked at me and he shrugged his shoulders and he said, you know, I... I not that I know of. I don't know what you do when you preach. But use wisdom. Remember, from here up, you know, you're 18 years old. From there down, you're 57 years old. And so we talked with him, and he got through with the appointment, and we came out. A little lady gave us a schedule of December the 11th, and it sort of floored Karen and I both. Really wasn't expecting to hear that because I didn't want to put it off. I'd, I won't just get it over with. If you're going to have to do it, let's just go and let's get it over with. So I've got to be honest with you. We went out of the doctor's office that day and, and I got a little mad. And I said, well, God, I don't understand. I got one doctor here saying he wanted me to put me in the hospital one night three weeks ago and wanted me to get this thing done. Another doctor saying, well, we'll put you off a week. And now this guy says December the 11th. It's over a month. So what is it? So we're sitting there and we're talking and sort of ticked Karen off a little bit and she was texting some folks and all of that. We started to another appointment and I grabbed her hand and we began to pray. And I said, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. And so I'm going to, I've got to put this and we've got to put this in your hands. It wasn't two or three minutes after that that my father called. And he said... When Karen texted and, and called and let us know, he said, it upset me bad. He was sitting in his living room. He said, it bothered me bad that they was going to put you off for over a month. And he said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit come into the room. 
And this is what the Holy Ghost said to my father. He said, I'm working even when you don't think I'm working. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I was talking to him about that, and I said, Dad, I said, just a few minutes ago, Karen and I was praying. We put it in his hands, and you called and confirmed exactly what we was praying. And matter of fact, Dad, you know my father, he said, matter of fact, he said, the Holy Ghost has not left my living room. He said, it's so thick in here right now. He said, I can hardly sit here. I'm working even when you don't think I'm working. That's what I'm going to preach to you about this morning. I'm working. I don't know what you have need of today, but I want you to understand something. I'm working. God says I'm working even when you don't think I'm working. When you look in Esther chapter 6, there was a series of events that took place even earlier from chapters 1 through chapters 5 that was taking place and some evil things had been decided that was going to be done or wanted to be accomplished and wanted to be completed. And in chapter 6, some things happened without even noticing really that it was coming out that way, or Sister Mavis even being expected to end that way. Look with me, if you will. Chapter 6. The Bible says, That night the king could not sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's units, the doorkeepers, who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed upon Mordecai? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman said, Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servants said to him, Haman is there standing in the court, and the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king asked him, What shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought this in his heart. Who, who, Who would the king delight to honor more than me. And Haman answered the king, For the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of, of the one whom the king most noble princes is, and that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, get this, Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested, and do so for Mordecai, the Jew who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone, all that you have spoken." Haman took the robe and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house mourning and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife, Zeresh, had said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but surely fall before him. And while they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Now, Father, I pray that you take these words that we're about to say, I pray that you bless it. I pray, God, that you enrich our hearts today. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, some would say when you read that chapter, well, Pastor, what's wrong with that? That all sounds like a wonderful story, but you've got to read the chapters beforehand really to understand what was going on. The guy by the name of Haman was fixing to go into the king to ask the king, let's hang Mordecai. He's a Jew, so let's get rid of him. That's where our story takes, takes place. When you look at this king, this king, the Bible said in chapter 6, he couldn't sleep that night. 
Matter of fact, after the banquet that, uh, he, that he gave for Queen Esther, or the Queen Esther gave for, for him and Haman, he could not sleep, and, and even before their second banquet that, the, that Queen Esther had asked for. The author of the text here didn't tell us why Esther had chosen not to make her request to the king at the first banquet and instead ask for another banquet even on the next day. We don't, we don't understand and we don't know everything that was taking place. She may have been afraid to talk to the king at that moment. Maybe the timing was not right. Maybe she didn't have adequate enough time to speak to the king. Or maybe the king was not even in a good mood that night on that banquet. And so there's, we don't really understand everything that took place that night. But whatever the reason, she delayed it for one more day. And it turned out to be very, very significant. It turned out that God was in the waiting. It turned out that God was working, even though that somebody didn't think that God was working. God was still working because God was in it. And God is in a lot of things that you and I do, even though we don't understand a lot of things. That day on Tuesday, <coughs> when my father called me and said, I just want you to know I was praying, and I didn't like the news that I got, but the Holy Ghost entered the room and the Holy Ghost began to speak that, that I'm working even though you don't think I'm working. It was a confirmation to Karen and I that just got out of the doctor. At, and when that happened, I, I can't lie, there was a peace that come over me. Now, I still don't want to wait till December the 11th. Don't get me wrong. But there was a peace that come over us and we were okay. Matter of fact, I had people, I had people call me and say, why in the world is the doctor waiting this long? I had my daughter call, why is the doctor waiting this long? My sister-in-law, why is the doctor waiting this long? And over and over we received phone calls concerning why is the doctor putting this thing off because even my mother told me, said, matter of fact, she got that mama's look here a few days ago and said, I'm going to tell you something. If that doctor comes in and he tells you this, you just tell him this, all right? You know, that's, that's only a mama can do that. And so we listened to all of that. And, but, you know, I, I understand I can't make a doctor do what a doctor does. He's just going to have to do what he's going to do. But this is the one thing that I do understand. I've saw it in, in, in the past. I've recognized it. I've saw it work with other people, and it's working with me as well. God said, I'm working even though you don't think that I'm working. And I don't know about you, but that's good enough for me. I'll just have to deal with my patients, and I'll have to work through those things myself. But God is still in charge, and God is still on the throne and God understands everything about this body and God understands everything about your body and whatever problem or whatever situation that you find that you're working through or going through God still got it, amen he still got it Charles Spurgeon put it this way he said God was in it it was not the right time to speak and therefore she was led to put off her disclosure I dare say she regretted it, he said, and I wondered when she would be able to come to the point, but the Lord knew best. And can I just confirm what Charles Spurgeon said? The Lord knows best in every situation that you and I find ourselves in. Amen. God was in it. God was in it. And there are times when things, we know this, there's times when things just doesn't work out right. We feel that we've messed up or, or that we have, should have done this or we feel like we should have done that, but later on we can look down the road and exactly see where the hand of God was, it was exactly moving. Why? Because God was in it. And that delay turned out to be a good thing. That, that delay turned out to be a wonderful thing. And just because God says not now, God didn't say not ever. It's just a delay. And so trust in an almighty name of God. Amen. And so we look at this story and this sleepless night that the king had became a very crucial turning point in this story. The Bible said he could not sleep. And he asked somebody, I want you to go get the book of the Chronicles to be brought in, and I want you to read the book of the Chronicles to me. What's so important about that, Pastor? But as a matter of fact, the book of Chronicles is simply a record of all the activities during the reigns of the kings. They could have brought the book of Chronicles and opened it up to another chapter, but instead they brought the book and they opened it to the book where the 12 reigns, 12 years 
years of reign that was up to this point, and yet it was open to the place where they recorded Mordecai's good deed that he had taken place with the king. It was about five years earlier that took place. And after Esther was made queen, in, in, in Esther chapter 2, verse 16, Mordecai, he foiled a plot to assassinate the king. They were wanting to assassinate, but he foiled the plot. He got in the middle of this thing. And it was simply by God's providence the king was informed now of this. Otherwise, it was unknown to the king. He was unrewarded, Mordecai was, and because of the great thing that he had done in the king's life. And the king thought something has got to be done. Nothing was done to honor and recognize Mordecai. Back then, I'm going to do it now. And even then, this, this oversight, it had to be an ordained thing of God when you look at it. It was a divinely designed lapse uh, of time and all of these things back then. But the king got it on that particular day, on that particular night, simply because he just simply could not sleep. I don't know about you, but when I get my belly full, that's what I want to do is sleep. I want to take a nap. But the king got his belly full and he could not sleep that night. I mean, he was talking about if Mordecai had been duly honored then, this would be just a simply a non-event. There wouldn't be any need to do anything else. It would just be another record of the Chronicles. But now something has got to be done to recognize the oversight, especially so because this man, Mordecai, has simply saved the king's life. He needed to be rewarded properly, the king thought. And that set the stage for the next turn of events. That set the stage to get the ball rolling, so to speak. And the king began to ask, who is in the court? And would it not happen just this way that Haman happened to be walking in the king's palace at exactly the right time where the king said, who is in the courtyard? Who is in the court that I can talk to? And Haman happened to be there. I mean, think about this. We, we, we don't have the timing here. It could be a morning by now when the king, I don't know what when it was when the king uh, woke up and he couldn't sleep and all of these things and the Chronicles was read. He could, somebody could have read it to him, Brother Roger, all night long. He could have just listened to all the things that was going on. But whatever time it was, Haman happened to be there. One would may think that Haman, it would, he would wait till the morning in order to get there. But now Haman is there. He just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows that Haman built and created to hang Mordecai on. Whatever the time of day it was, the time was still nothing short of simply being miraculous. I don't know why God wants me to wait till December the 11th, but I don't have to know everything. I don't know why God is putting you off on answering you for some questions and the questions that you've been asking. I don't have to know that and you don't have to know that. Just simply trust in an almighty God that knows exactly who you are and what you're going through and all the things that you're dealing with because if God said it, he will bring it to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll do it. And so both of these things met an unscheduled and an unarranged meeting. There the king is, couldn't sleep, reading the book of Chronicles. I want to bless this guy, Mordecai. Haman is fixing to come in and ask the king, hey, let's hang this guy. And the king said, who is it that's in the court? Well, Haman's there. So Haman come in. He come in. It was no coincidence. Matter of fact, if this book of Esther shows us anything today, it shows us that God manages the affairs of men without our knowledge. Amen. Why? Because God's God. Why? Because God's still on the throne. Why? Because God's still in charge. You may think you're in charge, but honey, you ain't. You may think you got it all together, but can I help you? And I don't want to bust your bubble, but you don't have it all together. God is still in charge. God is still in charge. Somebody needs to hear that again. God is still in charge. You may think that you've got everything squared away and you may come out of this one or you may come out of that tight spot and I'm going to go back to the lifestyle that I, was, that I liked and I'm used to. You better, you better listen to the, to the word of the Lord today. God is still in charge of your life today. Don't play around with God. Don't play around with the Spirit of God. Don't play with His mercy upon your life. Amen. No coincidence. What does that tell me? It tells me that God says I'm working, even though you don't think I'm working. 
Esther wasn't lucky to be queen. That wasn't why this took place. Mordecai wasn't lucky to have, to have overheard this assassination plot. It wasn't an unfortunate oversight that he wasn't uh, rewarded then. It wasn't. It wasn't by chance that Esther prepared a banquet and then delayed her request. It wasn't a coincidence that Haman happened to be in the court at that same time. During the day, all of these events were simply orchestrated by God without the prior knowledge of Almighty Man. Amen. We think we're Almighty, but we're nothing. Hello. I don't mean to hurt us this morning, but listen. You and I, we're nothing without God. We're just simply flesh. We're simply born into sin. But with God, we're everything. Amen. Hallelujah. When Haman entered, the king said, Hey, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? It wasn't coincident that the king didn't even say what his name was. He didn't even call Mordecai's name. It was not by luck. It was God's providence that the king didn't reveal any name. And that kept the ball rolling. Everything would have stopped right there if the king said, Hey, I want to honor Mordecai. Haman would have put a stop to it right there. And so Haman is listening to this. All of these events, so to speak, seem important, but they were very important. The timing of the events, the things they do, the words they say were very instrumental in the, in the working power of God's plan. How many would to testify with me that in every area of our life, God has a plan? God has a plan. His ways, the Bible said, are higher than our ways. And His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In verse 6, the Bible says, Haman thought to himself, who, who is there? I mean, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? Boy, we get so prideful at times, don't we? Who is it that the king would rather honor than me? And this thought only was possible because the king didn't give a name. I want to honor this guy. And this thought was made more even likely because Haman had just been invited. You've got to understand the, the, the events here. Haman had just been invited to a private banquet with the king and the queen. I mean, if you get invited to a private banquet with the king and the queen, you're something. I mean, you're special. And this is what's going on in Haman's mind. Not only am I special to be invited one time, hey, I get invited back a second time. And I'm going, to be, I'm, going to be, I'm going to be the guest of honor, so to speak. And I'm coming to this banquet. I mean, sandwich that between those two banquets that Haman thought, who else would the king be thinking about? Every indicator points to him. The whole situation draws to that conclusion that he is wanting to honor me. We look at verse 7, the Bible says, So he answered the king, Well, he, 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 king, if, if you were to honor this guy, he said, For the man that wants to delight, or for the king who wants to delight to honor, then, then have him bring a robe that, that only the king has worn, and, and bring a horse that only the king has ridden, and, and one with that royal crest that's placed on his head, and, and then let that robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Remember that right there. Let them robe this man, the king's delight, and honor him, and lead him on a horse throughout the city, and proclaiming before him that this is what is done for the man that the king delights to honor. Now think about this. Let him be given that royal robe that was worn by the king. Let him ride on that royal horse that was ridden by the king, and let him lead through the, through the city streets and all of those kind of things. I want you to understand and notice something here. That Haman, when he talked to the king of about this, he asked for nothing of lasting value. He asked of nothing of lasting value, but what he asked for was the applause of men. The applause of men. Because we like to get patted on the back. We like to have our ego stroked every now and then. We like for everybody to like us. Let me help some of you. Everybody don't like you. <laughs> don't mean that ugly, but everybody don't like you. Everybody don't like me. And that's okay. That's all right as long as God still likes you. As long as God still loves you, and he does. Amen. And so this was filled with pride. He asked of nothing of lasting value but the applause of men. Filled with pride, filled with arrogance. Everything was done to stroke his ego. 
And he was feeling so excited just by saying this anticipation. I'm telling you, I'm telling the king all of these things, but boy, I can't wait till that robe is on me. And I can't wait to get on that king's horse. And I can't wait to be paraded through the city streets. And I can't wait for somebody to say, this is what happens when the king wants to honor somebody. And boy, when Haman said that, the king took his advice, and then he gave the order. And this is what's cool to me about this story. He didn't mention Mordecai's name up until that point right there. He gave the order and he announced the name of who he was wanting to honor. I mean, the timing was so significant. It came in a command. It had to be something to see. At that, if you was in that room, it had to be something to see the face of Haman. At this moment when Mordecai's name was heard, he was utterly shocked. He had to have been. He was utterly unaware of what the king had just issued the command. He heard it but could not simply believe it. In other words, when the king made a command, there was no more discussion about it. There was no more turning back. You don't talk about that. It was given as a command and if you didn't follow the king's command you die right that's just something you do you die and so he followed the king's command this man this man that he wanted to see hanging on the gallows is now going to be paraded through the city streets riding on the king's horse and led by his big mouth himself Haman led by one of the kings the Bible says most noble princes was Haman, Haman himself. This guy was going to lead him. This guy that was going to lead him through the city streets and proclaim that this is what happens to one of the men that, that the king wants to honor. This was the first time in the book that we hear that Mordecai being called the Jew. That's very significant. It came from the king when he issued the command. And at that moment, the tide began to change. The king has gained a new admiration for the Jews. The tables have been turned, not, not through one isolated event, though, but through a maraud of, of many things leading up to that point. What are, you, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you that God says, I'm still working, even when you don't think I'm working. You've got to understand all the scenario. Go back and read the story. There's not just but a few chapters of, of Esther. Go back and look at it. Go back and read it. It'll be some interesting reading for you. No one can plan for this. No one foresaw it coming. No one expected such an outcome. It's not just a piece of the puzzle, if you will, but many pieces of the puzzle that came together at the right time, at the right place, all of these things. Without Esther's delay in exposing Haman at the first banquet, the king would not have been ready at that moment to make a decision. Without the sleepless night, the king would not have known of Mordecai and the good work and wanting to reward him. Without an agenda, Haman would not happen to be in the court and wanting to see the king and his agenda. The idea of hanging Mordecai on the gallows, it did not even come from him. It came from his wife and it came from his friends to punish this evil man that God had Haman build the gallows for in preparation of his own execution. Isn't it amazing how God works? It's amazing how God works. It's not any isolated incident. It's not a, it's not a shock. It shouldn't be a shock to us that every small part was coming together. And it should be not a shock to you and I that when God speaks something, we may not understand why it's going on this way and why it's happening this way. But can I tell you that God is still working even though you don't think He's working. God is still moving even though you don't think He's moving. God still got you in His eyesight even though you think He's turned His face from you. God has still got you in His heart even though you don't feel the Spirit of God anymore like you want to feel the Spirit of God. God is still still working on me. Amen. He's still working. Hallelujah. Because when you think about this, if any one part, if any one part of these events have not taken place, then the ball would have stopped rolling right there. If, it, if one of those things. Something would, not, would have changed and the outcome would have been totally different. But everything that happened according to the way God wanted it to happen, it, it, it worked. That's the providence of God. That's, that's the amazing workings of God in our life. The question I have for us is can we trust Him? Can we lean upon Him? Can we lean upon Him? 
Can we trust him? I was down in Memphis several weeks ago with Kristen and Jewett, with Sister Christine, when she had her brain bleed. And I was there when the doctor came out. And I listened at a distance what the doctor said that, that said, hey, to me it looks like that in the base of her brain it looks like an explosion that had taken place. With her blood vessels it looks like an explosion. And this is the words that he told Jewett and Kristen. He said, I'm not telling you that she's brain dead, but I am telling you that she's got a lot of brain damage. And there's a difference there. But I also was there when I walked up to her bed and I said, hey, Christine, let me tell you something that you've always told me. It ain't like it seems. And when I said that, she come aware. And her face, and she opened her eyes and she closed them right back, but her, you could see a glow in her, in, her, in her face. And I don't know about you, but that let me know that God was still working even though I didn't think he was still working. Amen. Because the doctor said that this one that she had was a lot worse than the one 11 years earlier that she had. I was there then in Little Rock when she was hooked up to everything imaginable. But I walked in the room and saw her there and she didn't have 90% of the stuff hooked up to her this second time, even after the doctor said that. Dwayne and I went the other day over there to visit her in, in Gosnell. She can't speak yet of everything. She knows a few words, but she was sitting in her chair and, and she gave us one of those stink eye looks, you know, and cocked that head a little bit and twisted that mouth a little bit as if she wanted to say something and couldn't say it, but you could almost hear what she was saying. And I said, hey, Christine, how you doing? Glad to see you awake and glad to see everything's going good for you. We just want to stop by and have prayer with you and say hello and all these kind of things. And there was a part of me that I didn't understand. I was telling Kristen this earlier. I'm, I, re I really wasn't sure if she understood everything that we were saying. But Dwayne said, hey, Christine, you mind if, we take a, if I take a picture of you and Pastor? When, she, when he said that, man, she come alive and she grabbed the table and moved the table out of the way and pulled me down to the side, started straightening up her shirt and that she had on, and we took, that let me know that she, exact, she knew exactly what we were saying. It was long during that time that one of the, the little aides come in, a little therapy that was going to work on her speech, and we was talking, and, and she gave that girl, I'm really a stink eye look. And it was almost like, look, I'm visiting with my pastor, and, and, and Pastor Cup, you need to get out of here and leave me alone kind of look, kind of thing. But the lady was telling her, said, aren't you glad I'm not the one that's coming, going to raise your leg up and down? I'm just going to work on your speech. She didn't mind at all. And I said, that's all right. We'll be back, Christine. Just go. And, but she just had that look that I'm not ready for you to go yet. And all of those things. And when we left, I called Christian. We, 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 we had to pray in for her. And at the end of our prayer, she said, Amen. And the little aide said, I, I've never heard you say that. And I called Christian. She said, We've never heard her say that at all. Said, matter of fact, when we pray, she just hugs up next to us. But we've never heard her, her say, I, uh, Amen. But she did that day. And so it's wonderful to see the progression that God is doing in her life. Now, does that mean that she wants to be where she is? No. Does that mean that she wanted this to happen? No. Does that mean that I even had a clue that I had a heart disease? No. I ain't never been to no doctor. Did it mean that I still want to go through what I want to, that I'm going to have to go through? No. Ten times no. Hundred times no. But this is one thing I know. That God's got it. He's got it. Christine knows that God's got it. And there were several of you, some of you, John and Joe, has went through this procedure before, and God had them. God has taken care of them. God has kept his hand upon them. And when my dad told me that Tuesday morning, that, hey, the Lord just told me that I'm working, even when you don't think I'm working. And we're all right. This happened here that the Bible says in Romans 8, 28 that we know that all things work together for good. <laughs> for those that love him. For those that have been called to his purpose. 
There's another translation that said this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Not just in one isolated event, but the Bible said in all things. In all things. In the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, in all things, God is working in our life. Amen. That's not something many times, it's not something we can see. It's not something we can change and rearrange and put, put, uh, put people into places and, and position certain things, but God is working. We may see a piece of the puzzle here. We may see a couple of pieces there. We may see something over here. But when you step back and you take an overall look of everything, it's exactly how God has orchestrated it and coming together. Amen. We spoke to you a couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. And we said to you in that altar service that I believe and God spoke in my heart that a shift was taking place in our church. It was after that Sunday. After that Sunday. That Sunday night we had a leadership meeting. Probably one of the best leadership meetings that we ever had in our church where God moved in that gymnasium back there. And we talk about some things. We talk about, talked about our vision and mission statement and core values and, and different things that we wanted to see happen. And I've been talking with the leadership staff through text and through Facebook and all these about certain little things. About understanding, don't forget about that service. And I'm telling you, don't forget about that service. Don't forget about that service. Do not, and I told you that day, don't leave this place just thinking you've been into a good service. You remember? Don't leave that place just thinking that God has just simply moved in and favored us. He did, but there was something more significant about that. There was a shift that took place, amen. There were some things that needed to be changed. Now, what that means is, it doesn't mean that God is going to do all of it. Hello, somebody. You've got a responsibility. I've got a responsibility. I've got a responsibility, you have one, in order to accomplish and see where God is wanting us to move. And since that, since that Sunday, two weeks since then, little by little I begin to see little things over here and, and people will say this and, and somebody will make a statement over here and do this. Has it all happened like you wanted it to happen? No, it hadn't happened like I wanted it to happen all the time. Do you understand you think this is all coincidental? Do you understand that since that service, we've had nothing but technical issues with this, with, this, with this equipment back here? We have. You think that's coincidental? No. I don't believe it's coincidental. Oh, Pastor, you're putting too much, you, you're, you're just looking at too much of a spiritual thing. Say what you want to. Say what you want to. But the enemy understands what's fixing to take place. He don't know exactly because he can't look into the future. But he knows that there's a shift because we said it with our mouth. We've proclaimed it in our heart. We've saw it in our spirit. There's a shift that's taking place in our church. There's a shift that's taking place in our life. There's a shift that's taking place in your spiritual walk. So what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing, how far are you willing to go with it? That's exactly what took place right here. We don't see all the puzzle that's coming together, but little by little. We appreciate the wisdom of God. We treasure those things. We trust Him, even for, even for some oversight, some mourning, some, some fasting, some prayer, some taking of risk at times. We appreciate those things. We trust the unseen hand of God. Amen. We trust the unseen hand of God. We do. And over the course of time, we'll begin to see God's hand guiding the courses of, of our affairs and our life and accomplishing the good purpose. Why, Pastor? Because go back to Romans chapter 8 again. We know that all things work together for good for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those, for those here, here, here's the scripture for you, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son that He might be firstborn among many brothers. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 said, For we are God's workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If I could get musicians to come. God's goal, God's goal in saving us was not only to rescue. It was not only to rescue you from hell, even though that's a good reason. But I want you to understand, His goal in saving us was not only to rescue us from hell, but also that, that, that we would reflect the character of Almighty God. We would reflect who He is in our life. 
God would be in us and we in Him. And when we meet people and we see people on the street and we testify to them that they would see the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Why, Pastor? Because God delights to see us becoming more and more and more like Him. Now listen to me. Every one of us, we've been blessed by the mercy of God. Every one of us has been blessed by the goodness of Almighty God. Every one of us. Every one of us has been blessed by the mercy of Almighty God. We have. We cannot sit here today and say to ourselves, it was by chance that I'm just here today. Uh Uh-uh. We can't sit here and just say, you know, God didn't have anything to do with my existence. Uh Uh-uh. We can't say that. Because it is God is the reason that we're here today. It It is God. Where's the musicians at? It's God. We need God in our life. We need Him in our life. We need Him. We need Him in our life. Now, I don't know about you, but I, for one, I'm not going to live my life without recognizing who God is and knowing what He's done in me. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. He's brought me too far. Brought me too far. He's carried me through a lot of places, ups and downs. He's done it. Not going to do it. I'm going to recognize the fact that God is still God. We're human. I get it. We know that. But the Bible said we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already prepared for us to do in advance. What is that talking about, Pastor? Look to your neighbor, tap him on the arm real quick. Now, you're tapping that individual that God has already prepared in advance to do good works for and through. You understand that? Are you all following me this morning? If this scripture is true, if God has prepared me in advance to do good works, and if I know that God, I'm a workmanship of God, Here's the cool thing. You don't have to like what I look like. You don't have to enjoy and say, well, I wished our pastor was taller than he is. I wish our pastor had more hair on his head than he does. I wish he was that tall and muscle-bound kind of guy and had that great physique. It's coming. But it's coming through other areas. You ain't got to like it. But God, I'm a workmanship of Almighty God. And if that's true, and if God has prepared me in advance for, for me to do good things, then I have a responsibility to be obedient in doing those things. Right? Tap your neighbor on the arm one more time and say, He's talking to you. He's talking to you. <clears throat> well, Pastor, you don't know how far I've been or where, where I am. I don't have to. Don't have to. I don't have to. If God is working, even though I don't think He's working at times, and even though I don't understand even how He's working, Brother Keith, my job and responsibility is to trust Him. My responsibility is to trust in an almighty God to lead me. Here's the cool thing. We were created in His image. But when sin came on the earth, it marred that image. Get that in your head. We were created in the image of of God. Sin marred it, messed it up. And when God brought us back for Himself, it was simply to restore His image in us and to free us to become all that we were created to be. Sort of sounds like a healing going on, right? It's a healing process. I was talking to a lady. In my office this past week that I was helping, we was talking about things, and by chance she was telling me about her brother having heart surgery. And I said, you know, i got to have heart surgery. She looked at me and said, oh, Pastor Danny. She said, she said, don't worry about nothing. In two weeks you're going to be jumping around like the Easter Bunny. Now, and I looked at her and I said, you know what? 
I'm going to proclaim that with you. I'm going to claim and I'm going to lay hold to that. Now, I don't know if I'll jump around like Easter Bunny or not. I can't jump around like Easter Bunny now. But still, I'm going to lay claim to that. Why do you do that, Pastor? Why not? Why not? Why can't I proclaim that Christine will be back in that seat one Sunday? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Why can't I proclaim that Tony will get up here behind this and testify of his healing? Why can't I do that? My Bible tells me that by his stripes we're healed. Amen. Why can't I lay hold to those things? And if that's true, and I believe it with all of my heart, can't explain it, but I believe it, then why is it so hard for me to understand that I am made in the image of Almighty God, I'm His workmanship, and if I'm His workmanship, He has already in advance prepared good things for me to do and to say and to help. This is where, this is where it gets a little sticky. Now it's up to me. It's up to you. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in us and it prompts us to do the things that glorify God. And my desire, and I hope it's your desire as well, is for us to please Almighty God. And that desire that we have to please Him should grow every day. It should grow day by day the more we get to know Him. We grow in the likeness of His Son. And that likeness is expressed in good works that we do. And we become like Christ. And we do things like Christ. I want you to get your communion cup out. If you don't have a communion, I want you to raise your hands if you want to take communion with us. Ushers, we got, we got a few right here on my right side. If you didn't pick a communion up, keep your hand up, guys, if, if you don't mind so the ushers can see. <clears throat> They're going to get ready to sing in just a second. I want us to do communion together this morning. Go ahead and keep your hands up if you need communion. Anybody in the balcony? We've got some in the balcony too. Guys, somebody can go up there real quick. There's two or three up there, four. We got somebody coming. We got somebody coming up there. Keep your hands up. <clears throat> you don't have to take communion if you don't want to, but we have open communion here at the church. If you'd love, if you'd like to, we would love for you to be a part of that. Anybody else? We've got one right over here, David, upstairs in the balcony on my, on my left. <clears throat> you guys in the booth, do you have it? Okay, great. Bow our heads real quick, please. Father, this morning, at this moment, we come to your table. We come to your table in obedience. We come to the table to heed your call. And as we take the bread and we drink from the cup, help us to do it in remembrance of you for what you've done for us on the cross of Calvary. Matter of fact, God, every time that we do this, help us to do it in remembrance of you, that our lives will tell a story, the story of your salvation, of our salvation. Tell the story of your love, 
the judgment, the righteousness. And I pray that as we receive communion today, that you would strengthen us, help us to live in obedience towards you. Help us, O oh God, to glorify your name. Help us to concentrate on you. Help us to do our best during this moment to get everything out of our minds, things that's going to take place this afternoon or tonight or tomorrow, whatever the case may be. Help us, O oh God, to focus upon you as we take the bread and the drink from the cup. And I pray, God, that every person under the sound of my voice that you would bless today as they honor you in remembering your sacrifice that you paid. Tomorrow, God, is Veterans Day. So many lives that have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. So many lives that has been harmed and came back from war not like they left. We lift them up today. So many of our veterans, oh God, that is give of their self, of their time, give of their service to secure my freedom. I thank you for that. But God, you also gave your son that I might have life and might have it more abundantly. And I thank you for that as well. And I pray, God, that you help us today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I don't mean to get personal here. You can go ahead and take out your bread. I don't, I don't mean to get personal, but I, I want to just, I hope you understand what we're talking about from this story about there's a lot of things that took place that got to that point right there where Queen Esther told the king what was happening. Haman meant it for harm. The enemy meant it for harm. But God turned it around for the deliverance of the Jewish nation at that moment. Do you understand with my, with, with my situation, this was all during the time that John and, and Joe was going through their heart stuff. And, and as you get older, you know what I'm talking about, guys. You just get to thinking about things. Well, I might want to check this out or I might want to check that out. And I was always the guy that never went to the doctor, never had a, never had a doctor really. I mean, I, you know, you go, you go and get scrapes and cuts. You get stitches and things like that but never had a doctor. Roger and Wendell, they kept telling me, you need to get a doctor. You need to get a doctor. Didn't for I don't know how long. I just kept putting them off. I just, I just was that kind of a guy. I've been healthy my whole life. I still feel healthy today. And for you, for you I'm, 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 I'm rejoicing today because I made it through my message. And I feel good. I feel good. I feel strengthened today. I do.